Hi there, thanks for downloading this Easter podcast. We hope you enjoy it, you're encouraged and blessed by it. Please visit citychurchleads.net for more information. I was listening to uh, Ian Russell's preach a couple of weeks ago and he, he talked about hope. He talked about how this world is not destined uh, for destruction, but how the message of the gospel is one of hope. Well, I've come this morning to, to bring you hope part two. And today really is about the ground, the ground of our hope, why it is that we can be so confident. Now, I want you to imagine, uh, this is a bit unusual, but um, I want you to imagine this morning that this is a court scene. And you, ladies and gentlemen, are the jury. (coughs) And uh, this would explain the suit. I don't normally dress like this. Not now, anyway. Uh, But I'm in role as the the lawyer for the defense. And so I want you to imagine, for a moment at least, that you're in a courtroom. Uh, You'll see we have no judge but history will be the judge. So, let's get to it. The prosecution case is that Jesus of Nazareth did not rise from the dead. The arguments, if I might summarize, are that Jesus did not actually die, but fainted, or his body was stolen by his disciples, who then claimed he'd risen, and the soldiers on guard were paid off to back up their story. And lastly, and perhaps most compellingly, people don't come back from the grave. It is simply not credible So there must be another explanation for the missing body. There is uh, an evidence summary on hand in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 42, through to chapter 16, verse 8, and it's there for you to follow if you wish. Before today... In our court proceedings, we heard from two defense witnesses. First, we heard from the Roman centurion who supervised the executions that day. He told us about his experiences as an officer in the Roman army, his various campaigns, his recent assignment to Jerusalem, and his place as head of the governor's palace guard. From his testimony, it was clear he had looked death in the face many times, both on the battlefield and in the mass executions he'd had to carry out. He told us how surprised he'd been that Jesus had died so quickly 
and how one of his troops had speared the body through the heart to make sure. When questioned by the Roman governor, he confirmed he was satisfied the man Jesus was dead. He was, after all, a man who knew what death looked like. Then, you will remember, we heard from Joseph of Arimathea, a member of the Jewish council. We heard the moving story of how powerless he felt as he witnessed Jesus being tried and sentenced to death. A devout man, he was expecting God to rescue the Jewish people and he knew somehow that Jesus was the king God had promised. We heard how gaining permission from the Roman governor, he took down the limp and lifeless body, how he handled the cold and blooded limbs, wrapping the corpse in linen cloth. This took time. It took care. As he said, he would surely have detected any flicker of life if it was there. Finally, we heard how he carried the body to a known grave, already prepared, and how he sealed it with a very large rock. <clears throat> the defense calls its next witness, Mary of Magdala. Please, for the court, could you state your name? Mary Magdalene. Occupation? Well, I used to be a sex worker, but I don't do that anymore. My life changed when I met Jesus. I was very messed up, but he helped me come through all that. Please, tell the court about the morning you went to the tomb. How did you know where to go? On the day that they crucified him, some men came in the afternoon and they took the body. Mary, that's the other Mary, James's mum, well, we followed them and watched where they put him. We knew we'd got the right place because of the big rock they put in front of it. And when did you go back? It was the day after Sabbath, the first day of the week. We got up really early. It was still dark. And who's we? Well, there was Mary and me, and Salome came too. And why did you go back? We'd bought spices, you know, myrrh and such like, to give the body a proper burial. We hadn't had time on the Friday. It was too late and Sabbath was about to begin, so we had to wait. Now, Mary, I want you to tell the court how you were feeling that particular morning. Well, just really sad and, and numb, I suppose, and so confused and, and really lost. We'd, we'd gone from this high of, of knowing Jesus as our friend and our, our saviour and seeing him do so many miracles and feeding thousands. And, and then we went to this low of seeing him crucified before our very eyes. And it wasn't just that he died, but everything he promised and everything that he stood for just, just went away in that moment. It was like all our hopes had been dashed. What were you expecting to find not sure really we hadn't really thought it through we'd no idea how to move that massive stone 
I guess we're all wrapped up in our own grief and we just wanted to do something. So, tell us what you found when you got there. Well, the big stone had been moved. I was frightened. I thought he'd been moved or taken somewhere else. It was still early and, and the sun wasn't up yet, so it was difficult to see at first. We stepped down into the tomb, more like a cave it was, holding onto the walls at either side. Then suddenly we were dazzled with light. We panicked and screamed. There was a young man sitting there on the ledge where the body should have been. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. We were terrified. Then the young man spoke. I remember his voice. It was deep, as if it came from somewhere else. He told us not to be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. He stood up and pointed. See where they laid him. We could see the linen cloth on the ledge. There it was, but no body. Then he turned and clearly told us to go and tell Peter and the other disciples, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. It was strange. When he said that, just as he told you, my pulse started to race. Jesus had told us he would be killed and raised in th on the third day, but I never knew what to make of it. None of us did. Mary, you came expecting a body, but found none. Instead, you're confronted by a, a stranger surrounded by dazzling light who tells you Jesus has risen. What did you make of this? I don't know. We were quaking. We'd no idea what was happening. So we just rushed out and got away as fast as we could. At first, we couldn't bring ourselves to say anything. It sounded so stupid. But then we found Peter and the others, and we told them. They couldn't believe it either. But then things started happening. I met him first. Many of us saw him after that. He'd just appear, sometimes when the room was locked. We were all afraid at first. No one could imagine anyone actually being dead and coming back alive. But it's true. We've seen him and we've touched him. He really is alive. I realise <clears throat> this is all very exciting, but can I ask you for a moment, if someone were making this up, Seriously, wouldn't they have invented some rather more, let's say, reliable witnesses? I see what you mean, sir. Women aren't usually asked to speak in court. We're not supposed to be trusted. You'd have had men, wouldn't you, sir? And rather than a bunch of cowards and doubters, you'd have had them all full of confidence and bravado. But as it is, I don't recognise some of them now. Don't get me wrong, they're the same people. But since Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came... They're as bold as lions, telling everyone about King Jesus. Even the Jews can't shut them up for all their threats. Thank you, Mary. I have no further questions. You may step down. On the first Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, really? A man who'd been brutally murdered was raised to life. Let's remind ourselves of the evidence. Four strands weave together. The burial, the empty tomb, 
the testimony of numerous eyewitnesses and the long-term impact on the lives of Jesus' followers. First, Mark certifies that Jesus truly is dead. We have as witnesses the centurion, an expert in the mechanics of death, Joseph, who took and wrapped the body, and finally two women, both named Mary, who observed the burial and saw where he was laid. Second, the women who go to the tomb on the first day of the week, instead of finding a body, are confronted by an angelic messenger who announces to them, he has risen. They have come prepared for a dead person. They are not expecting a resurrection. We have to remember, <clears throat> resurrection was as inconceivable for the first disciples as it is for many today. Greeks had no such view of an afterlife. Some Jews, but only some, believed in a general future resurrection when the world itself would be renewed, but had no concept of an individual rising from the dead. This was a high risk and some would say ludicrous claim for the gospel writers to make unless it was true. Third, Mark goes curiously overboard in recording the names of three women who went to the tomb three times in eight lines in his account. These women would still have been alive at the time of writing. It's as if he is citing his sources saying, go and ask them, check it out for yourself. And if you were concocting this story, wouldn't you have made it a bit more credible by at least having some reliable, that is to say men, as witnesses? On the subject of witnesses, some have argued for group hallucination. The disciples were not the only ones to see and touch him. Paul has a long list of people who claimed to have seen Jesus, most of whom are still alive, he writes. The inference is, don't take my word for it, ask them yourself. Paul mentions five appearances including one when 500 people were present. Seven are recounted in the Gospels. And in the first chapter of Acts, Luke tells us that for 40 days, Jesus appeared constantly to numerous groups of people. If this was an elaborate hoax, it would have had to have lasted for years without one conspirator blowing the whistle. Finally, what accounts for the transformation of the cowardly bunch of disciples we see quivering behind locked doors in the hours after the events of Good Friday? Suddenly, they became emboldened leaders of a new and rapidly growing movement, persecuted at every turn by the same authorities that had murdered Jesus, many of whom went on to be killed for teaching that Jesus had indeed been raised from the dead.
I just want to say, today, <clears throat> this was not a miraculous recovery. Nor was it the old life restored. It wasn't a mere retread. This was not the reversal of biological death. This life was a whole new kind of life entirely. He still had a body. He was still a man. But he was the first of a new order of creation. He was the first person to come alive as part of what God did in making all things new. This body was not subject to the ravages of age or decay. It had substance, it had form, it was recognizable and could be touched. It existed in time and space and yet somehow it was different. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians and he says, it was sown a perishable body, it was raised imperishable. It was sown in weakness, it was raised in power. It was sown in dishonor, it was raised in glory. It was sown a natural body, it was raised a spiritual body. This new body was raised entirely suited to its heavenly environment, fit to carry the weight and power of heaven, to feed on and flourish in the presence of a holy God. Do you know, we can't exaggerate the significance or the moment of, these, of this event that we're celebrating today. We, we've become used to it, haven't we? We've, 2,000 years have somehow conditioned us to become familiar with something that was so momentous that it changed the whole of human and cosmic history. It means the story of the world that we hear in the Gospels is true. Jesus, now just note this, Jesus really is the Son of God. He really is the true King over all that God has created. Our world and our lives are not doomed to destruction or to fade away into some cosmic silence. The ground is here. Equally it's true, there has been a calculated and a persistent attempt to derail humanity, to divert us as human beings from our call to serve God in creation. Sin and death are the inevitable consequences of our failure to live in that calling. 
But Jesus' death on the cross, it marked God's masterstroke, a game changer, as some might be inclined to say. It is the fulcrum point on which history turns. In Jesus, he came to judge our folly, to clean up the mess, to dispel the darkness, and to restore us to our divine calling. The bodily resurrection of Jesus is the ground for our confidence. The demonstration that everything the scriptures had foretold about him was indeed true. Jesus is the real deal. <laughs> Jesus is the real deal. So, what does this mean for us? <clears throat> Are you following me? Okay. First, the cross of Jesus means that we can enjoy forgiveness and release from guilt. There's nothing else in the world that will guarantee that fact. We can be restored to our God and the Father who loves us. Second, the resurrection of Jesus means that death need hold no fear for us. God defeated the power of death so that the life of his new creation is available to those who put their trust in him. Lastly, at the time of his triumphant return that we read about in Scripture that Ian reminded us of a couple of weeks ago, those, now get this, those who are dead will be raised. This is, this is ridiculous. This is bonkers. But it's true. The living will be transformed all rescued from, from corruption to share his glory. Let me read you just a couple of verses from Scripture from Philippians 3, verse 20 onwards. And Paul writes this, he says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The Bible describes Jesus as being the firstborn, the firstborn of the new creation. In other words, there are many more to follow. The same body with which he was raised from the dead, is the template for the one that you and I as believers will receive when we are raised with him at his return. Now, this is mind-boggling stuff. <laughs> but if you believe in the historic bodily resurrection of Jesus, then this is your hope, your firm expectation as Peter says, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The good news, the gospel is this. Christ is risen. God's new creation has already begun. <laughs> now, I just, for a moment, I'd just like to speak to anyone who's yet to become a disciple of Jesus. Disciple simply means a follower or learner. Today, you too can begin this amazing new life. Paul, one of Jesus' followers, puts it like this in his letter to the early church in Rome. Pay careful attention. For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'll read that again. If you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. This, for you, is the true message of the gospel, the good news. I'd love the chance to speak with you afterwards and help you to know that God truly loves you, accepts you, and wants to welcome you as his child. Meanwhile, the rest of us, <clears throat> we can simply celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. Amen? Praise God. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say, I'm sorry. We give second chances to anyone. We also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. And we give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we love.